If you're like seeking information about non-binary, don't ask someone who's the opposite of that. Ask someone who like doesn't identify with the pronoun him or her or she and he. And if you're looking to know more about gay people, don't ask a straight person about like just go to the source and be humble and thoughtful and loving. There's nothing wrong with asking questions about things you don't know about. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Michael Newstead is a photographer based in Los Angeles. After growing up in Michigan and spending five years touring around with the band The Soil and the Sun, Michael moved to LA three years ago, which is when he met Taylor. Taylor, a.k.a. Siggy, is a writer and author of the new book, What Does a Cat Mean? Michael and Taylor came to my place to record our chat on acceptance, and Taylor even shared one of the stories from his book. Is it a gay love story? It is. Amazing. It's about two... All of Taylor's stories are gay love stories. It's... Amazing. <laughs> or queer. The The, the one. <laughs> The one. The, the one that's a love story. That's like the only love story that I wrote. So Yeah, we are. I'm so ready for that. I'm so ready for humanity to just be like, oh, we're all queer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great way to start. Way, yeah. Did you see um, I Love or Love Simon? No. I mean, Did you like it or not like it? Because I, I heard a lot was, of people. It was fine. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just fine. But I liked one part of it where they did like a little montage of all the other characters. I don't think it actually happened. It was like the kid was expressing how he's frustrated that he had to come out and how everyone should have to come out. And so they did like four scenes where the other characters that were straight were like, Mom and Dad, I'm, I have something to talk to you about. I'm really sorry, but I like girls. And it was a boy talking or a girl. And <laughs> I like boys. That's mm-hmm. great. And the parents just being like, oh. <laughs> I love that. I actually love that because... It's good for most of America. It is. Yeah. We, we are in the minority. Yeah. It was definitely... Oh, you saw it too? Yeah, I saw it oh. uh, a few weeks ago. Oh. And it was like... I don't know. It was definitely very... Very much a product of like what like white, gay, yeah. male, yes. queer movement has <laughs> been leading up to. Like, mm. it was... It was like, oh, this is a white boy, and with the exception of being gay, he's the same as yeah. Like, it was a little, it was a little. I don't know. Heteronormative. Style. Yeah, really, mm. like the barely a divergence from believable. any other movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious to hear you say that because I had a at first, like I had like five friends that saw it, and they were they were gay friends and they were like oh my gosh we loved it it's so good to finally see like gay love stories in the movies and then and then like they were the only people that were positive about it and then Mm -hmm. it was just like all like even my lesbian friends were just like that was just so like a white straight dude wrote that movie and they were so mad so were there any things but then i had a lot of like hetero friends that yeah. saw it and they were like, what? What What was like straight about it? Yeah. I didn't get So right. are there any specific things that you, when you watched it, that you were just like, wow, that was totally a straight white guy? I don't know. The <laughs> The fact that the like you two. Nice use that one. 
the like two people of color in the movie, or maybe it was three, like his friend, or no, his two friends, and then the guy that he ends up like being in love with. But they're just like sidelined characters that are like used token. exclusively, like not even token, but like used exclusively to enhance his character. Like Got they it. weren't characters on their own. They were like objects to be used to make him seem like a better protagonist, which is gross mm. at the very least. I thought everything could have be could have been a little bit more exaggerated too. Like the drama, like the things that the main character did were super shitty. Yeah. And he felt bad for like a minute in the movie. Like everything got resolved so fast, I felt like. And th- I was like thinking about if I had done those things at that age, when you're like 17 or 16 and everything's so much more big than it actually is. Uh-huh. Like I yeah. thought it could have been more dramatized. Like, like he should have been honestly like borderline suicidal probably. Yeah. Um, I think most people feel Did that they, way. They kind of touched on him being like upset a little bit. He was, mm-hmm. yeah. But not to any, I don't know, realistic level or level that is like important to show in film. Mm. Like mm-hmm. what's, yeah. what's the point of a movie really where everything works out in the end for the character? Like what message does that send? That sends a message that like everything's just fine in the queer community and mm. it's not. Mm. Like there's so much like people who aren't just white and male have to deal with in the queer community. That's like, what is the message of this? That it's just Disney, that everything is just Disney. That's not great. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And like, what are people going to take from that? Mm, mm -hmm. People are just going to think, I don't know that, that there's nothing more to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm the hearing complete, that. The complete opposite of Call Me By Your Name, I think, where that one was so much more honest, but still, still, like, I don't know. I mean, they're very different messages, those movies, but yeah. That Call was going to be my next so question. Yeah, real. I was going to ask you about that. And just like, not that this is like a podcast about film comparison, but I felt like that one was across the board was like accepted as a beautiful interpretation mm-hmm. and depiction of, um, you know, same sex attraction. And totally. Romance. And the only thing that I heard people say that was somewhat negative about it was, and not even negative, but just like that the age difference, if it had been, if it had been a hetero relationship, that it might've been like more creepy, that it was like an older guy, like hitting on a younger girl kind of thing. Um, hmm. That was the yeah. only thing that I heard that was like people saying, huh, that, that, I don't know if that would translate, but uh-huh. I don't think everything But I don't think it needs to, to translate. translate. No. Gay relationships are not the same as yeah. straight relationships. Queer in general relationships are not the same as straight relationships. Yeah. And that's, that's like the problem that I was talking about with like the, this, I, or what is it? Love Simon. I love Simon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love Simon being yeah. a product of this like very white movement, um, that it's just like, why 
Oh, I'm losing my train of thought here. It's okay. That's all right. It's the coffee hitting you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's the all good. The coffee fog. Yeah, I think, like, if if the movie, if Love, Simon is basically just like, see, gay gay people are like everyone else and everything's fine and yeah. love is great and we're all fine. And yeah. it just is kind of that idealized Hollywood romance, which, to be totally, totally fair, doesn't serve anyone, I think. I no. think Hollywood romance... And the depiction yeah, of it I totally agree. doesn't it doesn't serve you whether you are straight, white, hetero couple. It it sets you up to be totally let down, totally disappointed, totally confused. Like there's no honest depiction of like this is what this is what actual struggles are like, or this is what you might have to deal with when you've been together for ten years and all of a sudden, or like this is what it's like when a real thing in your life happens and you have to handle it and sometimes it doesn't end well. Those things never get shown. So yeah. I think I think Hollywood in general doesn't serve love. Not Agreed. sincere. <laughs> Not sincere love. Not Agreed. Sincere love. I have I no follow-up to that. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. We're done. Yeah. We're done here. <laughs> my my, End my of only podcast. last thought about love, Simon, would be that Maybe if I had seen it, if I were a teenager now, if I were a 14 or 15 year old right now, and my parents were of the next generation, that of the parents that were in the in the movie, maybe in my idealistic self, especially at that age, it would have communicated more to me then. Um, like, oh, maybe I'm making it a bigger deal than it needs to be, and maybe... Maybe it would have been the like spark to get me to come out instead of waiting another 10 years to do so um, because I am an idealistic person by nature. But now I th- I'm more critical of it now having, you know, I feel like my parents were so loving, but the mom is very super like modern and liberal with the way that she responds to Simon, yeah. like so accepting and so... Like, I'm so glad that you get to be who you are. And it was like days after, you, I don't know. I know that like my mom felt that way, but she certainly didn't have the language or the know how to navigate that. I don't think. Mm. Did you, you <laughs> <laughs> did you have a sort of journey of coming to accept your own, like, you know, like you were saying, like mm-hmm. when Simon came, I haven't even seen it. So when he came out to his mom and she was like, oh, I'm so glad you can be yourself. That's yeah. my interpretation of what you said. But was there any sort of, with your own, like, acceptance journey, was that something that you felt like you came to, like, full acceptance of yourself before you came out? Or were you like, I'm going to come out, but I still am figuring this out? Was it was it that kind of thing? Does that make sense? Yeah. T- I mean, yeah, I th- for me at least, I think the, like, self-acceptance journey came in a larger part after I came out like a few years after I came out because I came out when I was 14 or 15 um, and I lived in a very white, very Christian uh, suburb in Portland and there were the other queer people at the school were few and far between. We did have a gay-straight alliance that was after, I think, my junior year or something like that that sort of came about um but being around uh all of these straight white people i 
I definitely was not who I am now, even though I had come out like the it's it's just like being being queer is not what defines me that kind of thing I'm more than that mm. and because I'm more than that there was a lot more work to do as far as self-acceptance goes than just oh yeah I like penises and butts <laughs> you know who doesn't like butts yeah. I mean you know yeah there's there's like I had to kind of lose a lot of the internalized homophobia that I had, especially mm. after I came to L.A. and there were other queer people around. And I I think even, even while I was in college, like, I remember saying things that I, I don't believe now as far as, like, like oh, that, that guy is, like, too gay or, like, that person is too gay. It's, like, that's... That's just me not really fully accepting the fact that I have more feminine ten tendencies or that I don't fit into any specific kind of uh, subcategory that a lot of queer people get, you know, jumbled into. Mm. And accepting those kinds of things in myself was and continues to be a daily struggle yeah um yeah that's that's what i have to say about that <laughs> mm, i'm into it do you have anything you want to add to that are you feeling good i feel good but yeah i think honestly i i mean everyone has their own process and path and mine was much different than taylor's i mean it's much different than everyone's is different from each other's but i didn't come out until i was 24 um turning 24 and it took me about four months to tell my mom and then another year to tell my dad and then another year to tell my sister i think i told my brother shortly after i told my mom um and it wasn't anything like i was nervous about how any of them would react it was more that i had for almost a decade um gone over the script in my head of how i was going to tell them or what that moment would look like and I was waiting for the like perfect opportunity <laughs> this like <laughs> chrysalis of a moment to just unfold so beautifully and gracefully and <laughs> I'm gay don't you know <laughs> but like <laughs> that never happened and so I just kind of like I'm gay kind of fumbled it out eventually uh -huh. um it was a nice I guess as nice as it could be as like uh but I definitely like waited way too long I think with all of them. Do you think your mom waited to tell... Like, do you think she literally I, kept it... I honestly don't think she told my dad. Wow. For almost... It was almost a year. Hmm. Wow, that's yeah. a massive thing to... If, you're, if your, like, child tells yeah. you something and to just be like, I'll just keep it. I mean, maybe she did. I mean, my dad was just, like, sitting on the living room floor looking down at the ground the whole time just trying to process it. Oh. And I think... He went to the post office after I told him, like maybe 15 minutes after I told him, I think he just needed to go cry and then come. Then he came back and gave me a big hug and he was like, he's like, you know that I love you, so it won't change anything. And I was like, yeah, duh. Aww. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for me, I, 
whereas Taylor's school formed like a gay queer alliance shortly after he came out, I don't think my school has even gotten that far yet. Mm. Um, I walk down the streets of my hometown and people like shout gay what? things at me still. Mm. Oh. And I mean, gosh. I'm... I've had that here in L.A. What? It, it happens. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I... The funny thing is it would happen to my straight friends that dress like I dress here. It's just because I have style. Anyone that has some sort of style and doesn't wear fucking cargo pants or camo or orange, bright orange, like hunting gear or isn't driving a tractor down the street is basically going to get queer, Mm -hmm. like outed (laughs) at some point, (laughs) at some point. Oh my gosh. I mean, even then there's tasteful camo, but come on. Yeah. I mean, I do have a camo piece in my wardrobe, but it's like the old, it's like the old, uh, (laughs) army camo, not the, (laughs) it's from the seventies or eighties people. It's not like the, pictures of sticks and stuff like that that they have on all that new hunting it's right. cotton it's that's not, how you can tell the difference it's, it's not, not reflective a, right it's not a polyester uh-uh. vest that exactly. you wear to weddings that has oh boy. stick oh boy. camo on it or if you've seen Queer Eye it's not that one guy who has those camo pants bless his heart <laughs> oh my gosh um, which one has camo pants The in the first season the guy who they took off his dad's Oh, I thought you meant one of the... One of the actual... Oh, no, no, no. Not the Fab Five no. was wearing camo pants. Who? Who would do? Ironically, no. no. No, they wouldn't. So, okay, so acceptance and the journey of it. Um, I feel like, you know, I mean, I could talk about, like, you guys being gay all day, every day, and it would be fun, and <laughs> right. I would learn so much. <laughs> right. Right. I'm going to interrupt you one more, because... Uh, I just, yeah, I totally skipped over it, but the process of self-acceptance mm. for me was also much after I actually came out. Mm. In fact, it wasn't until a few years ago when I was at MITT. Nice. Yeah, thanks, Krista. Oh, I love Krista. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What, um, is there anything about that process of, like, accepting yourself that you are learning anything about that that you want to share? Well, not to make it into a joke, but... Um, like RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? Mm -hmm. I think it's the same for acceptance. If you can't or haven't fully accepted yourself, you're not going to be able to accept other people as they are or accept life events as they are or Mm -hmm. surprises or whatever, like, um, accepting things and working through them and living in it is so much more than just like acknowledging it or seeing it from afar or tolerating it, but embracing it and like moving through that, I think is so much more of what acceptance is. Um, If you're not accepting yourself, you're not really living in reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowing others to, like if you want people to accept you, you kind of need to show them that you've accepted yourself. Like people aren't going to take you seriously or, see you as you want them to see you or as you really feel if you haven't already done that work in yourself I think Mm. Mm. yeah I hear that loud and clear Um, and I think it's easier said than done but it's also oh yeah I think when totally yeah but when you actually like click into that feeling of of self-acceptance you're like oh I actually get it now I actually Mm -hmm. almost like 
when I've done that, it's almost like my body just clicks into this level of like, oh, now other people are beautiful in a level that mm-hmm. I had never noticed before because I was still like worried about my own bullshit or I was totally. still like focusing on my own imperfections or I was whatever it is. And so um, that that journey and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. It's not like it's like a destination. And once you're there, you're there. Totally. In my experience yeah. anyway. It's like some days I'm there and sometimes I'm not. And I've even wondered about like different seasons of my life. Like when I get oh, yeah. when I get older or if I have any sort of like health adjustments and shifts that change my physicality will I suddenly have to go through it all over again yeah I don't think the process really ends like you said there's not a there's not a like an ending point or a daily practice yeah it's and it's different from day to day whether it's sometimes you're a different person one day than well right yeah and even talking about like science-based stuff like I'm no scientist and I'm the worst person at math that you'll ever meet but (laughs) when it comes to even like our cells, like they regenerate like every seven years. So mm-hmm. we're not, we're actually not the same person. So to just wake up and be like, I'm the same. You're not, yeah. I'm not, you're not either, Michael. Totally. And that's, that's okay. But so, I mean, I love, I love this. And I like, like I said, I could literally talk about like, I could, you know, go into like queer theology and start diving into that world because I just think there's so much to learn and explore. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about other kinds of acceptance um, because I think especially right now in our country and in our world, but just honestly in general, the idea of acceptance is so idealized mm-hmm. but not necessarily practiced that often. And I want to hear what you guys have to think and say. What's the difference between acceptance and tolerance? Tolerance is bullshit. <laughs> I like the way that you just, you know, the end. Uh, yeah. A toler- I feel like tolerance is was like a stepping stone in like the 90s towards acceptance. It was a a word that was used to like, well, I know you're not going to like us, mm-hmm. but will you accept that we're here at least and tolerate us being <laughs> alive? And it, it's, it's more or less like the same as far as the definition of the word goes, but there's just a, there's just a, I don't know, an, an aspect to it that's like, it was, it no longer should be the case. Like it's the difference, it's the difference between equality and equity, Mm. you know, and tolerance and acceptance. Tolerance is just bullshit. I said it first. I think it's kind of thinking about like, um, ignorance. I think tolerance is only a baby step past ignorance. And then I think acceptance is like a giant leap from tolerance. And I think ignorance is like, you know, it's, it's dark. It's kind of like, like, uh, it's nothingness because you don't, you're just unaware. And then tolerance is like, you see it, but you don't, it's not a process. It's just like a stagnant thing. And it really doesn't take any courage or action. Whereas acceptance, like we were talking about earlier is a total process. Mm-hmm. And it's always changing and because whatever you're trying to accept is also evolving. So is the process of acceptance is evolving as well. Mm. That's kind of what I think about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring in just like ignorance because I think that for a lot of people it's easy to do like the whole ignorance is bliss thing and, and whether that whether you're talking about something like something like sexuality or something like a political thing that's mm. going on in your own country and you're just sort of like, what? Oh, I just, I'm just going to like stay off social media and not read the news because it's too stressful. And mm-hmm. it's like ignorance may not be as blissful as, you know, mm-hmm. what um, what it's, it, it's made out to be to some people. Um, so, yeah, I love I love that ignorance and and acceptance and tolerance are all kind of have this weird dance and relationship that um, they're all kind of intertwined and connected in a, in a stepping stone kind of way. Yeah. I think ignorance and tolerance too, they don't represent community and they don't demand community. You can tolerate or be ignorant of anything on your own, but I don't know if you can fully accept anything without talking with others yeah. or being a part of community. Yeah, it's like a it's like a bridge basically between hate and love. Essentially, would be like here's hate on one side, then you have ignorance, which is not much better, and then you have uh, tolerance, and then you have acceptance, and then you have love, mm-hmm. and you can't really cross that divide without learning more. And I think that that's the most important thing about acceptance is you know fully what you are accepting you've Mm. learned about other people you've learned about the world that you're living in and you've learned about yourself and you know more than you did when you just tolerated something Mm. Mm. are either one of you what were you gonna say i just want to i just want to title that process that five-step process (laughs) rainbow road oh Inspired by oh, Mr. God. Rogers. I oh, love God. it. I that love is Mr. Very Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Did you see the new documentary? Uh, Not yet. It's on our list. We're yeah. going to see it soon. We've been watching uh, old episodes on Good. YouTube yes, for yeah, like been, a few months now. Oh. We've been cultivating our inner child. Oh, <laughs> he crossed that road a long time ago, and I yeah. don't know how a man in the 50s and 60s managed to. Also Christian, y'all. I yeah, know. Just Christian the Republican. Way, leading the way. A Christian lifelong Republican, a white man, and he had a black gay man in his show. Like mm-hmm. he, and he knew it. Like he was like Speaking of acceptance. I know. He the whole way he was like, We're doing this. Like I'm very much gonna just gently in like introduce mm-hmm. this person as a human yeah, like especially it. back in the time when you know there was still so much segregation in the US and Mr. Rogers was going well I'm going to get together with this black man and he's gay and even though he never came out on the show right i mean right come on Mr. Rogers for president i mean i would i, I, I do think that it's important to not mm, make him into some kind of deity yeah, mm-hmm. because that isn't really solving any problems. True. Um, because he was white, Christian, male, straight, <laughs> Republican. But damn, is he a good one? And <laughs> as as much as he was a good one, and he was leading a lot of children watching his program for forty something, fifty, I don't know how many years, to love each other as they are and to accept people as they are right then and not want them to change he's still a he's he's still a face of a specific subset that is 
not um, not not what we want to be holding up mm. on a platform anymore. Mm. I don't think it does anyone any good to say, well, wasn't this white guy wonderful? <laughs> wasn't he just the best? Uh-huh. Whereas we could make a really great documentary, I'm sure, about the black gay man who was on his show. Right. Yeah. I, I hope he's the next one that gets a documentary, to be honest, yeah. because yeah. he's amazing. Um, and his journey, I'm sure we could learn so much from it. And yeah, you're right. I think there needs to be a shift towards, you know, even right now with the mm -hmm. new um, Supreme Court justice oh, being Christ. like... <laughs> Talk about acceptance. We're not um, going down that road. I know, I know. But when, when I saw who got nominated, I was like, literally, I will bet all my money that it's going to be a white man. Like a Republican oh, white man. I'm like, oh, check, done. Yep, done. Didn't he, he had one person, two people who were not white, and that was Omarosa and Ben Carson, right? Right. In the, like anywhere in his vicinity. So, I, <laughs> yeah. He's doing it because he wants to appease his base i don't think he believes any of that shit no he just wants he, he just wants to get reelected, and the only I people know. that like him and are reelecting him are evangelicals that I want to know. like remove roe v wade and roll back the clock on queer rights and like call it religious freedom it's yeah he's just trying to to get votes and there's there was no chance in hell that he was going to nominate anyone else to the supreme court also he nominated like the the youngest person possible so that they're on there for so the that next like, 80 like, years yeah, i know he's he's if he gets confirmed he will be a justice probably for 40 years oh yeah it's crazy it's totally crazy Mike Myers from SNL when he did the skit with Nicole Kidman when he was eating the chocolate bar. <laughs> Although there's some very non-PC things that happen in that skit. I, I do think you. there's hilarious parts of it. Uh -huh. And at one point he says, you're the devil. And I think that's what Trump is. <laughs> Just saying. I think Mike Myers would say, you're the devil. I love you. Um, so not to, not to get into what politics. What skit is just that? What skit is it? Yeah. It's the one where he's eating a chocolate bar and he's wearing a harness. And Nicole Kidman is like this little girl and she's like chomping on her chocolate. And he's like, I like chocolate. And she's like, er. and then he says, you're pretty. And she says, I know. And then he <laughs> says, you're conceited. And it's just pretty funny. I don't think I've ever seen that. And then wow. she says, you can have some if you want to. And he says, my mom says I can't have chocolate. It gives me the, it makes me a hyper hypo. And then she's like, here, you, you can have some. And she's like teasing him and then he eats the whole chocolate bar and he's attached to like a jungle gym. And then he ends up pulling it out of the cement and towing it the whole way home. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a old good one. Days. It's an old one. Olden days. I don't think I've seen that Well, one. I know what you're doing tonight. Um, so not to talk about politics anymore. Or sorry, to, you know, sorry to get, you know, downer. Um, so <clears throat> what about you guys? What about acceptance in your life right now? Modern day acceptance. What are three things you had to accept today or slash and what is something that you because Taylor, you were talking about doing research and like learning about something that you don't know about so that you can accept it mm -hmm. because you go from, you know, ignorance 
to tolerance to acceptance. So what is maybe something in your own life, like a modern day example of something that you're like, hey, I don't actually know anything about that. So I'm going to put myself on the journey of acceptance and Hmm. learn about it. Anything come to mind? Mm. Um, One example for me is thinking about the non-binary identification um, because I don't know I think at first it was I first experienced it probably in 2012 or 2013 Um, I used to be in a touring band and we would stay with this community in St. Louis and it was a bit of an anarchist subculture people that were really loving and kind and truly off the grid (laughs) in certain ways Uh Um, and beautiful people like people that we would love to see and spend time with and share meals with etc etc um but there was a few people that identified as non-binary and at first i didn't even know what they were talking about and then when i learned that it was identifying not as one gender um it confused me and i felt can yeah i felt like i didn't understand it and i didn't get it and i think i was a bit judgy internally but um, and I kind—I think I kind of thought that they were just trying to draw attention to themselves or something like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of stupid. But which that's is so kind of awful because that's what it is. So awful. That's what people say about gay people, yeah, totally. Or like gay men, exactly. It's or no different. Like people who are queer, but not, not like dealing with gender as much. More just dealing with sexual orientation mm. they just they just like oh no you just want attention you just dress flashy and you talk like this yeah like well yeah those are a so, couple of traits yeah yes. <laughs> that's like not all of it but yeah. yeah so you were almost like you were almost doing what you had i was totally doing what i've experienced yeah. yeah um and it yeah i don't think it matters whether i vocalized it or whether it was just an internal thing um I think I only vocalized it with my, like, in the secrecy of my, like, bandmate community, um, just talking out, because I did feel like, what's the point? But I think the more that I thought about it, I realized there is, there's so much, there's so much reasoning for it, and even thinking about it for what the implications would be on myself, just thinking about all of the expectations that I felt placed on me, to be straight um, and to be like a male growing up in very conservative Midwest Christian culture. There's so many assumed roles and so many assumed like things that really just are like total weights and things that bog bogged me down. And I, you know, I know bog people down with gender. And so I, I get it. And I, even though I don't identify myself as non-binary, I do, I, I relate to it on a certain level. Mm. in ways Mm. yeah I definitely relate quite uh, a lot to that and there have been times when I've thought that I would like to not exist as male or be perceived as male Um, I'm, I'm more comfortable in maleness now than I have been previously but I I still don't think that 100% of the time I feel that way and I definitely felt judgmental years ago um, as far as like uh, non-binary identification went 
which sucks. And I really regret having felt that way, but it definitely is like what we were talking about. Like you learn more about something and then you like, how can you, how can you hate something that you understand? Like people that hate things or judge things that they know everything about or know a lot about those are bad people. Mm. That's badness. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about gayness, queerness, um, gender identification being uncontrollable and like inherent and genetic. And, um, that's another thing that I don't think is helpful to anyone. Um, I think that the, the goal of acceptance should not be that, oh, these people, they can't help it. They're born that way, born this way. Right. Uh, but what would it matter if they weren't born that way and mm -hmm. they chose to be mm -hmm. uh, attracted to who they're attracted to, or they identified how they identify. It doesn't matter like, or it shouldn't matter. Rather, it does matter quite a lot to most people, but mm -hmm. it should not at all. Like if I woke up when I was 14 and just decided, yeah, I'm gay, whatever, that should be fine. That's like how you want to be. That's beautiful. That's the person that you are, regardless of whether or not it's inherent to your genetic makeup. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's, I think an important part of acceptance that I, that gets glossed over a lot is the idea of like people having to be the way that they are. Like you have to accept them because they can't change because the entire idea behind the like movement previously was like, well, you're trying to send us to these camps that'll make us normal air quotes. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we can't, we can't be changed, but just because they can't be changed or we can't be changed doesn't mean that like it's okay. It would be okay to try and change us if we could be changed. Mm. Like that's just bullshit. Mm -hmm. Everything's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot to place uh, value in, in the, acceptance process because that's what we're talking so much about um and just like like accepting and loving each person where they're at in their own process as well because like a lot of a lot of parents or friends of people that are in the coming out um their own like journey or whatever a lot of people are like oh well they're just they're just going through a phase or maybe they're just like, they're just trying to figure themselves out. So they're just, they're like temporarily gay yeah, yeah. or queer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think the same could be said for people that are identifying as um, non-binary or, or, or whatever the identification is um, like, Oh, they're just like experimenting and like feeling it out, like going through it. But that's like, even if that were the case, it is just as, important to accept that person right where they're at in that moment instead of waiting to accept them when they've like 
reached their non-binary destination or their we've tried that out but that isn't for us destination mm, like because mm-hmm. i mean i think i think that i was there i think that was part of where i was when i first learned and experienced it was like these people are just experimenting and it wasn't like i was i didn't feel like i was dissing them but i was like oh they're just like trying to figure it out but yeah. like who the fuck isn't just trying to figure it out like we're all just trying to figure it out. Uh, yeah. Um, so that, I don't know. That's all I've said. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And well, like honestly, that's what, that's. I love that so much because that that's the answer. Like that is the answer. And anyone who says they have it figured out has completely lost touch with reality. Mm-hmm. Because even the people that I know, even the straight white. Christian Republican males that I know still change over time. There's mm-hmm. still things about them that they go, oh, wow, I was closed off to this and now I'm not. Or I was open to this and now I'm not. Mm-hmm. That That is okay. It's human. Like, that's what yeah. we're talking about before with our cells regenerating. Like, it's okay to evolve. That is part of being alive on this earth. And so the idea that we withhold our acceptance until it looks a certain way mm-hmm. or until we think it's okay, mm-hmm. that is completely missing the point of what it means to be alive or to be in a space of evolution. Because when I have space for other people, it's like what you said, going all the way back to the beginning, like full circle moment. Yeah. When I accept myself, I can accept other people better. Yeah, totally. When I am withholding acceptance from other people, that's a actually big moment for me to look at myself and be like, where am I not loving myself? Where am right. I? And that's honestly not to like, you know, throw anyone under the bus, but in my experience, a lot of people who are super judgmental, um, have no understanding of grace for themselves. And, and I think that there is a lot of that in different sort of, um, fundamentalist religious thinkings of just sort of like I am so bad I am so 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 bad but like this deity or this being makes me okay Mm -hmm. and and within that belief system there's still so much self-loathing yeah and even without that belief system mm, yeah like that's my history I've never once in my life been a religious person or believed in God and I have dealt with the same self inflicted shame and judgment and judgment of other people resulting from that, that a lot of people who grew up Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever, they grew up in, have dealt with because it's our society more than even that. Mm. Oh, interesting. So you don't even have like, uh, you know, faith baggage of some sort of, but but you've experienced that, that, those same phenomena. I've actively not believed in God my entire life and still have had the same like self judgment because it most European and uh, our country and Canada and I'm avoiding saying Western because that's an annoying thing to say and shitty um, <laughs> because the earth is round. Thank um, you. Anyway. Uh, I love you. Uh, the the problem there is that the all of all of our laws and stuff are built on Christian and uh, or Abrahamic religion, um, and so all of the even even the things that aren't laws, just the the things that we go day to day believing, are based on that. So even though I'd ever believed in 
any higher power, I still was held to the, the uh, I don't know, the rules of the society. There's that we structure. Live in, and even holding myself to it. And mm. it's, and, and because there's laws and structure, it implies that there's black and whiteness mm. yeah. and that there's a right and a wrong and a up and a down when it's, I don't, there's only up the and down here. Oh my God. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> that's got, so interesting. That was, that was the line of philosophical talk. Right. That's can't, your poll. Can't go for it. Your poll quote. Yeah. Is, is this your poll quote? Yeah. Um, I think that's really interesting. And someday I want to talk to you more about that because, um, I think so many people that I have come encounter with and, and come across and especially in the countries referred to as the West, um, there is kind of a, an angst or, uh, an annoyance or a bitterness about an upbringing that had to do with a religion. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm hearing you say that it's so much bigger than a religion. It's like in the fabric of our country. And even though you weren't raised religious, you've dealt with that, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, another topic, another time. But, um, okay, so uh, I want to go back to what you were saying about non-binary and how you used to uh, feel judgment and confusion about it because maybe you didn't understand. So where do you look to learn? Like, where where do you find the answers? Let's say there's someone listening and they're like, okay, well, that's where I'm at with, like, gay people I just don't know I don't either I don't have gay friends or like maybe it's their their same thing with with non-binary people like how do you where do you look for the answers so that you can accept um and and how do you go about doing that and doing it well there's a great article in the Atlantic by Robin Canner I believe their name is and I'm using they I don't know if they are non-binary but I don't know their pronouns, um, uh, about people who are trans or identified as trans but detransitioned. And it was a response to uh, another piece that was also in the Atlantic that was very problematic. And um, that's a really good piece just to read. It's just beautiful on top of everything else. I can't remember the name of it. But if we you can search, find it, and I'll yeah, link it in Rob, the R O B Y N. Link it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that and not seeking all of your answers from people that don't identify as. If you're like seeking information about non-binary, don't ask someone who's the opposite of that. Mm. Ask someone who like doesn't identify with the pronoun him or her mm-hmm. or she and he. And if you're looking to know more about gay people, don't ask a straight person about, like, Mm -hmm. just go to the source and be humble and thoughtful and loving. There's nothing wrong with asking questions about things you don't know about. Yeah, don't ask us about non-binary people. Go go follow some non-binary people on Instagram mm. and write them a message and, like, don't, like, harass them or anything like that. And don't say, you need to teach me because these are not... Yeah, people who are put on this planet to teach you. These are exactly. people who are people. Uh, but if if you don't know anyone who's uh, who's non-binary, try and get to know someone who is. And may, uh, dis- disregard the uh, the send them a message. Maybe don't do that yet because you don't know them. But 
start engaging follow, with them. Follow and... someone and like read what they have to say. Don't just look at their photos. Look at what they put in there. Mm. Uh, in their, what do you call it? Their captions. Captions yeah. for their Instagram posts. Instagram is the only uh, social media that I use, so I'm sorry I don't have the wherewithal to no. discuss other no, avenues of of getting in touch with people that you don't know but but that's a really good that's a really good point and and we can we can talk a little bit about that in like in like a little the social media questions but i think um a lot of people that do say oh but i don't know any like literally i'm not kidding you okay there's this girl i'm not gonna call anyone out and name names but she has a very large podcast and she only has white people on her podcast and i've as opposed to this very diverse array. Of well, I mean, just at, well, today at this I just I'm just talking about today. Okay, I'm just making right. but an like, asshole joke. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, today, like Taylor, how dare you date a white boy? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm cute though, right? You're yeah. so cute. Okay, that's all that matters. Okay, so anyway, um, I have sent her DMs and been like, hey, like. You know, have you ever considered in inviting like any women of color to be on your podcast? Blah, blah, blah. And she's been like, I don't know any. That's like her response. And that's the most bullshit response that has ever existed. Thank you. And I'm like, okay, there's this great wide world called the internet that we have at our fingertips. It's it, like you said, it's so easy. Go, go follow a bunch of people. Like, I've learned so much in that same way. Like, I watched this show um, on Viceland, and I was I'm obsessed with it. But it's called Slut Ever, and I haven't, seen, I haven't seen it, but I okay. love Viceland. Oh my god, all their shows are so good. Yeah, so good. Um, but there, it was called Slut Ever, and it, there's a whole season, and this girl named Carly um, does all these interviews with people who have kind of like niche sexual, whatever. Fun. Yeah, fun. Or it, the show is fun. <laughs> anyway. Like, I followed so many people after that because it was like she would interview these people and they just the things that they would talk about. I'd be like, wow, I've never even considered that before. Like, I've never heard of anyone coming from this perspective before. And I learned mm-hmm. so much that I was like, I want to find these people and continue to mm-hmm. learn from them. Yeah. Whether or not I identify or relate, it's good for me to follow them along. And it's so it's totally. so funny having now all of a sudden I have like all these people in my feed that I'm like, wow, this is so not what I normally would have had in my feed. But it's great. And it's been so incredible to get insights into how diverse the world is, even just yeah. America, how diverse America is in so many different ways. So I love what you said. I'm all about like practical, like especially with a with a show like this where there are people all over the world listening and so many people like there's a guy that messaged me and he's like, I live in Sweden and I listen to every single episode and I live in like this tiny town in Sweden and I relate to almost no one that you have on your guest wow. as a guest because I'm not at all like the people that you have on, but it's mm-hmm. so good for me to hear the discussions and learn about people who are different. So mm-hmm. I just love this being like a safe space to just like empower the listeners and each other, you know, just the three of us sitting here to be like, how do we do better, be better? How do we put like the power back in our hands to like actually take responsibility and go learn and not just be like, well, I don't know any, you know, Mm -hmm. like have, have like some women of color on your show. Mm -hmm. I don't know any. It's like, okay. Do you just have only people, you know, on your program? That's that's the thing. It's like, she, no, the answer to that is no. And so I'm like, "Mm, okay. No, she shouldn't or no, she doesn't. 
she she ha- doesn't know she doesn't only have people that she knows on. Oh. So she, that was just so that's that's an excuse. Worse. I know. Yeah, I was like, Jack. oh, honey. I wish I I'm not gonna tell you to say on the air <laughs> who it is, but I'd like to know who it is. All right, I'll done. tell you afterwards. But I'm I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus. But I was like, oh, that's disappointing. But you know. Whatever. That's that doesn't matter. Like, that's part of the accepting people mm-hmm. while they're on also on their journey. I'm not going to just like go publicly call her out because then that goes into shame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I'm here trying to learn how to be accepting, even if someone's on their journey, whew, but you can share it's real hard. You, you can share what you've out. learned and try and encourage her to expand her. Very true. White horizons. Yeah. Very true. White horizons. Because you all know the horizon ain't white. <laughs> it's very, very pink. It's a rainbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So, before we talk about social media, um, Taylor, I know that you um, have just come out with a book, which is amazing. And I know that it explores a little bit about acceptance. And mm-hmm. so, I read some of the stories and they're amazing. And I love your Thank writing. You. I'm so excited that you finally have a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but your book is called What Does a Cat Mean? And I have a copy that is pink, which is amazing. Because how many different colors does it come out in? It comes in whatever color you want it to be. Uh, which is my response to people not reading so much these days. Um, but So this is the first edition. I'm actually coming out with a, another black and white edition that is going to be cheaper because I hand make all of these uh, books and custom order them. Luckily, like not that many people read them, so it's not that much much work for me yet. But uh, yeah, it the the idea was that you could order it in any color that you wanted it to come in. So even if you don't read it, it can sit on your coffee table or whatever, and it can be <laughs> you're like it the, can match. You're like the modern Baskin Robbins, right? Yeah, Just yeah. Like, all the flavors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does come in at least 31 colors. Oh my gosh. Well, um, I know that you, uh, I know that a lot of the different stories have to do with acceptance. Yeah. So the, we've kind of, what does a cat mean is the title of it. And it's pretty, a cat means basically what we've been dancing around this entire uh, conversation is that it's a book that's about acceptance in all of its forms whether that's accepting people or accepting a situation or not accepting uh, a situation, it's, yeah, you just kind of have to read all of them together to to get the answer to the question mm. there. Mm-hmm. Will, you um, read, will you read one of your favorite, favorite stories for yes. us? Yes. I'm going to read one that is not... Uh, necessarily about accepting people like we've been talking about, but uh, not accepting situations. Um, just because I, the way I write, I, uh, I, it, it makes it difficult to read most of my stories out loud. But uh, this one in particular is a little easier to read. Amazing! I can't wait. This one's called Summer Hideout. Every summer, me and him found the big stump in a different place. We never really thought to examine the stump or wonder about where it came from or how it moved around or why it moved around. It was this dead tree with this, like, cave thing under the roots with a little light that came through the hollow stump above. It was weird, I don't know. 
In outdoor school, this cabin counselor, whose, whose camp name was Rosebud, told us that this kind of stump was called a nurse log because it was dead, but not waste, because everything could eat it, like mushrooms could eat it and bugs could nest in it. Although thinking about it now, I don't remember why it was a nurse log and not an apartment log or a dinner log. Anyway, it was a good thing, and it brought nutrients to the forest and all that, so that's pretty good, I guess. When he was seven and I was five, we found the stump in the woods uh, off this long street with a fancy name I can't remember that started with a C, and it was full of new houses that were all stucco by his Nana Kitty's house. And then when he was eight and I was six, it was on the other side of town, and it had seemed bigger. When he was nine and I was seven, we, we would crawl inside through the dirt and pine needles and hide under slash in there for hours. The most important time, most important to me anyway, couldn't really say how he felt about it slash me, was the last summer when we found it before he moved away and he was 12 and I was 10. It was kind of crazy to say it and I hardly believe it, but we found the stump in our family's trip to the coast four hours west. Boring. It was there in the woods by the beach, a little sandier than the last time we saw it. We crawled under, and it w he told me about the talk he had in class when he was my age, and I told him I didn't know what jizz was. I do now. And then one thing led to another, and somehow we both had our pants around our ankles, and he was showing me how to make stuff come out, but nothing came out because I wasn't old enough for that yet, I guess. We had done that a few times before, but this was the most important time because he asked me if he could practice kissing me because this girl in his grade liked him apparently, and also apparently she was a slut and everyone knew it, and he didn't want to kiss her and not have experience. I kind of acted like I was weird about it at first, but then he acted like it was no big deal after all, and then he didn't need to practice kiss me, and then I think I seemed a little more like I wanted it, but not entirely. It didn't last very long because in the middle of the kiss, while we were laying in the dirt and the sun coming through the hole in the top of the stump and our pants around our ankles, I reached over and, you know, grabbed his, you know, and uh, he popped, opened his eyes and stopped kissing me and then put his pants back on. And then we went and played Grand Theft Auto at his Nana Kitty's. And then a month later, he moved away because his mom lost her job and I didn't get to see what making the stuff come out was like. This time... I was a freshman and he was a sophomore because of a summer birthday, not because he was stupid and got held back or something. He really was smart and in trigonometry when he was a freshman and everyone else was in Algebra 1. He had just moved back with his mom when she got rehired at her old job and I was so happy for him to be back that my hands shook when I read the message he sent about it on AOL Instant Messenger. And my back felt all warm, and I, my breath got shallow, and I had to press my hand on my crotch to push it to the side so my sister, Caitlin, wouldn't see it and scream or something. I decided to sign up for MySpace like three weeks before he'd moved back, but I also waited to add him as a friend because I didn't want it to seem like I had only signed up for the purpose of adding him as a friend and looking at his pictures, which is, which is what I did do and really why I did sign up, but he didn't need to know all of that. I would die if he knew all of that. After a week of adding people in my class and having some of them add me back and arranging them on the page in order of closeness of friendship, top eight, I added him. And he added me back right away, within seconds. I knew he was right on the other side of the internet, and I bet he was smiling about it too. No way he wasn't, no way. I went through with his pictures a lot, like a lot, a lot. There were a few of him and this girl, and in one of them he had his arm around her, and everyone else in the picture did too, like a group friend picture, and they all had their arms around each other, but this one was really around her, I could tell, and they were standing in front of a pool in his wet swim trunks with no shirt on, 
and he had gotten tan, which came easy because even though he was white, he had Native American ancestry that he mentioned all the time. His arm was up, and I could see that he had thick, dark hair in his armpits, and his arm wasn't around this girl's neck like he was pulling in for a noogie like that asshole Jack did to me all through the eighth grade. It was around her waist, and one of his fingers was going through the little piece of string on the side of her bikini bottoms. Maybe on accident? I bet they were just close friends, though. Guys and girls can be friends. I didn't want to linger on that pic because I knew, uh, because she was in it, and, just, and I just didn't like her face. She had a face that just wasn't likable. But I did want to look at the picture because I could also see that little bit of hair going down into his swim trunks that everyone else calls a happy trail or a treasure trail, but I think that's a gross thing to say. When he moved back, I didn't see him for a couple of weeks. He would IM me and tell me he had to help his mom get the house set up and move boxes and stuff. I got tired of waiting, so I walked over to his new house and knocked on the door. His mom answered and recognized me immediately, and she said I had gotten taller, which I had. She called down the hall for him to come to the door, and he came after a few minutes of me talking more to his mom about how I had been and all that. I half expected him to be mad with me for showing up unannounced, but he wasn't. He smiled and said hey and asked me what's up, and I asked him if he wanted to hang out, and he said yeah, sure, and called back to his mom to say we were leaving, and then we went into his backyard. I hadn't found the stump since he moved away, but we found it again in the woods behind his new house. He asked me if I was sure this was it. Are you sure this is it? And I told him, yeah, I was sure. Yes, I am sure this is it. We agreed that if this wasn't it, it looked just like it. Sure and looked odd, though, looking closer, not how either of us remembered it. The red wood had turned spongier, and there were heaps more moss now after a few years. I asked him if he wanted to go inside like we used to, and he said sure, but then he took off his shirt because he said it was new and he would get yelled at if he had gotten it stain, stained, and I was not ready for him to be shirtless in front of me. I took mine off too because I didn't want to seem like I was being weird about anything or something even though my shirt wasn't new anymore. I had to force myself to not look at his chest and stomach and keep eye contact with him when he talked to me even though I had no idea what he was saying and my stomach was full of moths. We crawled inside the stump cave, and even though it had looked smaller than we remembered, there was still plenty of space inside. We laid in the dirt on our backs like we always did, and we talked about what it was like in Tacoma, where he had moved back from. And he mentioned that girl from the picture a few times. Alyssa, 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 I get it, you love her. How she was so great, but really just a friend slash best friend, not BFF, and nothing more, even though they had kissed twice, one time at a pizza party with no parents, and one time at the zoo when they went with their parents. They used tongue the second time, but she pulled away because he had started it, and she didn't see him like that because they were too close of friends, and it would be weird. And then I did the stupidest thing I have ever done, and I tried to make a joke, and that was not what I am good at. The joke was... I asked him if he had used any of the moves on her that he practiced on me. He stared at me for a literal hour and then was like, what? And I was like, JK, JK, even though we both knew I was not JK and he did know what I was talking about. I didn't know what to do, so I froze and all of these pictures of me kissing him were flashing through my head and it was really quiet and he really wasn't kissing me. And so I flew out of my mind and I closed my eyes tight and I hugged him and told him that I had missed him. And he hugged me back and our skin was touching and the hug lasted for like 10 seconds. And then we both looked up 
and we were calm, and the sun wasn't coming through the hole in the trunk anymore, and suddenly it was dark, and we were both like, what? So we crawled out of the stump cave and realized that the cave had moved again. We were both standing on the beach where we went that time when he was 12 and I was 10. But it was today time, and not then, and the moon was full, and our and both our shirts were missing, and he grabbed my hand and held it in the good way where the fingers interlace, not in the friend way when the hands are cupped. And he open-mouthed kissed me with tongue, and it kept going, and he hugged me while he was doing it, and I felt my back all warm again, and my breath got shallow again, and we laid down on the sand and kissed for a long time. Then I opened my eyes, and I was still hugging him in the cave from before, and light was still coming through the hole in the trunk again. And he looked at me and told me he had missed me too, and he patted me on the back. We talked on IM for a while after that, but whenever I wanted to hang out, he was too busy helping his mom. A month before school started again, and I would be a sophomore and he would be a junior, I sent him an IM that told him that I wanted to be more than friends with him and that I wanted to be with him. He was online, so I know he saw it, but he never responded. The first day of school, I sent him another IM to tell him that I was tired of waiting and that if he realized his feelings for me, to come meet me at the stump at 8 that night and I would be waiting. I got to the stump early, in case he was early. I crawled under the stump with a flashlight headlamp, and I wore my favorite striped shirt because it made me look more muscly. I waited and waited and waited, and I could see his house from the opening to the cave, but he didn't show up. I knew he had seen the IM because he was online again when I sent it. I knew he had seen it. And then I saw him, and he was hanging out with other boys and some girls who were also juniors, and they were all playing a fighting game on the TV in his downstairs family room. And then he got up and changed the channel to a movie, and one of the girls walked over to him, and he put his arm around her, not in the noogie way. And then he stood up there for a little while, and then two boys and two girls paired up and walked out of the room, and he went to close the blinds on the sliding glass door, probably so it wouldn't shine a glare on the movie screen. And then he looked out the window into the backyard, and I knew he saw my flashlight headlamp because he waited for a second, and I think he looked sad even though he was going to kiss this girl and watch movies. Then something sounded like a bucket of water poured on the ground, but the sound was only in my head and not actually in the world, IDK had to explain. And then I wasn't there anymore, and I was back on the beach alone. It was cold and dark, and I was wearing shorts, and my favorite striped shirt had a dirt stain. So I crawled out of the stump cave and onto the beach. The moon was almost full, and there weren't many clouds, but there were outlines of the mountains going into the ocean to the north and the south. A family was sitting at a campfire, and their big dog was chasing waves a little way off. I walked toward them. And I don't even know why. I mean, I guess I know why, because I didn't know how I was supposed to get home, but the dad asked me if I'd been in the log for a long time, and I told him, no, not too long. I looked around the beach and thought about how I was supposed to get home, and how sad slash mad I was that he didn't love me back, but also that he would break up with that girl, probably, and I guess I could wait for a while. So I went and played fetch with the big dog. Wow. So that's that one. I love your writing so much. It's so beautiful. Also, that story just coming from like the topic of acceptance. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's like sad. Sometimes acceptance Mm -hmm. isn't easy. No, no. And sometimes you just can't. Mm. So that kid can't Mm. or didn't. Yeah. Not then at least. Yeah. 
unfortunately. I think that's something that a lot of queer people deal with in their younger years is fantasy and real life kind of clashing, um, wanting mm-hmm. to find a relationship or wanting to find a friendship in which they can be themselves and be mm-hmm. accepted, but won't be because the age that they are, or the community that they live in. Um, yeah. Mm. It was so beautiful. So. Thank you for sharing that. It, it's, thanks for letting me read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, um, it's, it, it's got a heaviness to it. It's so sad. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, yeah. I hate the thought of people not feeling accepted. I hate the thought of people going through pain like that where they, where they, it is that sort of like love sick, just wanting to be seen and wanting it to be a reciprocal love. Um, but like you said, sometimes you can't. So thanks for exploring all, all facets of the acceptance spectrum, because it isn't just you do, you don't, or we all accept each other. It, it there are, there's some like, nope, not accepted. Mm-hmm. And, and some people never accept something and unfortunately, sometimes that something is themselves. Mm. Or the reality that they're in. Mm. Mm. Yeah. A lot of the time, not even sometimes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That is so true. And sometimes, <laughs> not to get into like a meta moment here, but sometimes no. it's about accepting the people who can't accept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's easier to say in a cutesy circle way, but... Yeah, especially if the someone if the someone's lack of acceptance is hurting themselves or other people, yeah, it's really hard to hold space mm-hmm. for them to be them. So, yeah, it's not something you can just kind of put a bow on. Mm-mm. It's not. It's not easy. No. No. If it were easy, it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it probably would still be a problem because a lot of people are terrible. But it <laughs> it wouldn't be as much of a problem, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But thanks for being willing to be honest about about the real stuff. Because it's not always just, like, pretty and fun. And, you know, even when we're talking about queer life, like, it's not all, it's not all pride parade. You mm-hmm. know? There's a lot more to it than that. And I think that you both are very brave to be willing to be exploring all of the other unseen sides. Because I think, like you said, when it comes to awareness and education and perception, if the only thing that people see is the Love, Simon story of the bow on top and Mm -hmm. everything's great and the Hollywood love story and the pride parade, then we miss out on this. And this is the real stuff. And this is the stuff that people need to be able to hear and go, oh, I thought I was alone in that. Or I thought it was, I thought there was something wrong with me because the way that I was doing it didn't turn out like the Hollywood Mm. bow on top love story. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to do what you guys are doing and to be like, it's, it's not a linear bump free road. Mm -mm. No. And those like jewel or cherry on top moments that do happen from time to time they're not like the end marker they're just like they're just part of that like spiking like chrysal part of the (laughs) part of the chrysalis chrysalis. Um, (laughs) i love going back to the chrysalis oh my god um they're just like they're part of the like 
they're part of the process as well. They're not, they're not the end or a marker except the marker of it, of itself. Like, like a wedding, you know, it's like, sometimes it's beautiful, but not even weddings are jewels of moments. Uh Sometimes, sometimes they're just as shitty as any other day. I don't know. It's like, yeah. The cherry sometimes a little bit more rotten than the next one, the one next to it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Don't know. It's good. It's good to remember that that balance. Um, it's good to remember whether whether we're in like the cherry moment or the the you know, the rut moment. It's good yeah. to remember it won't always like every moment, whether it's good or hard, is not the reality, the constant. It's a moment in time where we're gonna keep evolving and keep keep making it through mm-hmm. so yeah thank you guys this has been a really great discussion and i've loved everything you guys had to say and i can't wait Thanks to read the rest you. of your book yeah it's very small doesn't take very long to read i'm so excited it's small and each story is like one of captain planet's rings together they hold so much <laughs> more power <laughs> very well put thank you i've never put it that way myself i'm going to start doing that do it Everyone needs more green Captain Planet in their lives. Oh, yeah. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Michael Newstead and Taylor, a.k.a. Siggy, about their social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya? 